Hi, this is Pastor Joshua Morocco, and you are listening to our King's Central Podcast. I hope you get encouraged. I hope the Word of God brings transformation to your life and empowers you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Word. Come on, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Worship team, thank you. And I just got to give props as you guys are turning there. I just got to say it. That glistening, Pastor Alex, that glory that was on you. Glitter, I mean glory, glitter. We'll just call it glitter glory or glory glitter. That's what we'll call it. Um, you know, I just, what an incredible, incredible effort that our, um, our production team and our creative team put in. This, produ- I don't know if you guys have been to the production. It was phenomenal. Can we give it up to every person? that was a part of the production. Thank you so much. You guys are amazing. And we had people saved. People made a decision for Jesus every single night. And I'm telling you, I got so encouraged. I've, I've seen the production for the last 20 years, and I still got something out of it last night. And tonight's the final night, so invite somebody, be here. It's going to be an amazing time. Are you ready? Here we go. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, from now on, We regard no one according to the flesh. Can I ask you a question? How do you see that person next to you? You know, sometimes some of the problems that we have in life, some of the greatest problems we have in life is we can't help but view people how we used to. Like we, we kind of mark people and we say, oh no, you're all, you were a failure back then or you were a jerk back then. You always going to be mean. You're always going to be this or that. But I love Paul the Apostle says, look, we don't, we don't, we don't look at people. We don't regard one another according to their, the flesh anymore because we're in Christ. He says, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, come on, let's try it again. If any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you anoint our ears to hear our hearts to receive, that we may be changed by the power of your word. Lord, I thank you for this incredible congregation. That this morning, we're going to leave here encouraged. We're going to leave here inspired. But most importantly, we're going to leave here transformed by your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. If you're taking notes, the title of my message this morning is the gift of new. The gift of new. We're starting a brand new series on Wednesday nights called The Gift. And last Wednesday, I I spoke a message entitled Someone's Gotta Give. Look, if you're going to have a successful marriage, if you're going to be a great parent, if you're going to succeed in your job, there's got to be a give, give. You know, a lot of times we measure give and take, right? But I I really believe that someone's got to give. Someone's got to give grace. Someone's got to give love. Someone's got to give compassion. And that's how we see breakthrough come. As a matter of fact, that's how we see healing come. You need healing. You need breakthrough in your marriage. Someone's got to give. Someone's got to forgive. Someone's got to serve. Amen. Someone's got to be the first to say sorry. 
Isn't funny? A lot of couples like to like, I don't want to say sorry. I'm always the first to say sorry. The funny thing is they're saying the exact same thing. Well, I'm always the first to say sorry. If you, hey, if you want breakthrough in your marriage, you want breakthrough in your relationship, someone has to give. But this morning, I want to talk about the gift of new. I, I remember, anybody here ever play White Elephant before? You've ever had a party and you guys had the White Elephant gifts? You're supposed, how it normally works is you get a gift of about $15, like everybody gets a gift of about $15 and you wrap it up and you all put it into one little pile and then what happens is normally at the end of the party, you always want to do it at the end of the party because people want to kill each other afterwards. But anyways, at the end of the party, you get together and everybody goes and picks a gift one by one. And so you go to the table and you, you pick a gift and you open that gift. And then what happens is the next person that comes up can either take your gift or they can go get a new gift. All right. Well, I was the second person. Now, normally the benefit is it's actually good to be the first person because the first person actually gets to be the last person. Want to be the first person. Unfortunately, that day I was the second person. And so I looked at that person's gift, the first person's gift. I was like, nah, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can get a good gift. So I go to the table, and I had kind of been eyeing the gifts, you know, before the, before the party. I was just like looking. I was like, ooh, I, that, that's the gift I want. So I was actually kind of happy because being the second person, I could go straight to the gift that I wanted. But then I'm nervous because people could steal my gift. And so I go and get my gift, and I open it. And it's an old, used, worn tattered t-shirt that doesn't even fit me that still has listen 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 linda listen still has deodorant marks on the underarm you, you don't know you know when you see the discoloration of the deodorant and someone piled it. i don't know if they wore it once but it was caked on there it was a little actually a little like <clears throat> it made noise went like that when I moved the shirt when I tried to fold it and I'm looking at this thing going what no way how did I get a used t-shirt and then I'm looking at everybody else's gift and everybody's opening up gifts and nobody wants my gift I'm like man I don't get to steal gifts you know when I when I look at this passage I'm reminded of that story because I realized something that we get a revelation Paul wants us to get a revelation of the gift of newness that Christ gives us. It's actually one of the greatest gifts. It's a new start. And what I love, what I love about this passage is we see that word new used in its context. And it's actually the word kainos in the Greek, kainos. And it means no resemblance of the old. No residue. No residue of the old. No resemblance. No underarm pit nastiness. No resemblance of the old. It means fresh. It means unused, unworn. And this is what's so remarkable is Paul wants us to get a revelation of the gift that God gives us is not a, a gift where he says, well, I'm going to take the old and I'm just going to refresh it. No, no, no. He says, I'm going to take the old and I'm going to make it brand new the gift he gives us is newness newness of life newness of thinking newness in relationship I mean I, I love it I don't know if, if any of you have ever tried to be in a relationship that had history 
You know, you ever try to fix that relationship with that friend and you guys had some history and even though you want to try and move forward in the relationship, you really can't because there's some history and there's always this limitation because of the old. There's always a hindrance in trying to do new things because of the old. What God wants you to get this morning, if there's anything you can leave with this morning, is that the gift of God, one of the greatest gifts, there's so many gifts he gives us, but one of the greatest gifts that God gives us is the new. A new life, a new love, a new passion. And what's so amazing is that when we look at this, how we, we say, well, how does this work? And I'm, I'm reminded in how this works and how the gift of new is bestowed upon our life is we see a very interesting story. How many of you guys remember the Christmas Carol, the story of Scrooge? I used to hate that movie. Can I just tell you right now? That movie used to spook me out until they finally came out with the Christmas Carol Muppet movie. You guys remember the Muppet? Tell me you remember the Muppets. Come on. And now I can actually watch the Christmas Carol because I'm 40 years old and that, that thing still freaks me out. So I watched it the other day. I watched the Christmas Carol Muppet edition with my son the other day. It was awesome. And I'm reminded of the story because there's a ghost of Christmas past a ghost of Christmas present and a ghost of Christmas future that shows up. And Scrooge is interacting with the ghost of the past, present, and future, and he sees this new life that comes to him because he gets a new perspective. And, and this morning, I, I feel as though almost like Scrooge has experienced experienced these different spirits that came to him and gave him this different revelation this morning if we can get a revelation of the new thing that God did in our past the new thing he's doing in our present and the new that he's bringing forth in the future we can get this revelation of what God wants to do in our life that will propel us to destiny and purpose number one God deals with our past let me say that again. God deals with your past. And he doesn't deal with it from the perspective of condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But see he deals with it from the perspective of Romans chapter 6 verse 4. Turn with me there in your Bibles. I'm just warning you ahead of time. We got a whole lot of scripture this morning. So just mark it down. If you're fast Maybe your Bible app is really quick. You can just flip there real fast. Siri, look up for me. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Romans 6, 4 says this. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We may live a new life. The way he gives us a new life is by his death and resurrection. He made a way for us to be completely and totally free. By his death, he put to death, I'll say this on this side, by his death, he put to death that which continued to plague us the torment, the transgressions that were against us, Jesus severed the tie to us and sin and set you free. 
So the work that he did was a work of freedom. And it was a complete work. The work that Christ did on the cross in his death and his resurrection was not partial. It was a complete work. What do I mean by that? It's when he says he saves, he saves completely. He doesn't save partially. The work of salvation is not partial. The work of sanctification is not partial. When Jesus does a work, he does a complete work. He doesn't leave anything out. He doesn't say, oh, well, I'll heal your soul. I'll save your soul, but not your mind and not your emotions. He says, oh, I'll, I'll heal you. I'll heal your soul. I'll heal your, your, your spirit, but I'm not going to heal your body. No, it was a complete work. What Jesus did on the cross was complete. It was not just for your soul. It was for everything. For your body, your mind. That's why the Bible says that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That's why Jesus has the audacity in the Great Commission to actually command us to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why? Because the work was a complete work, but also, are you ready for this? It wasn't just a complete work. It was a work from everlasting to everlasting. Now, I know some of this is redundant because I'm, I'm, over, I'm, I'm doing an overview of what I said on Wednesday night, but it was a complete work, but it was an everlasting work. That means what, it, what happened, what Jesus did on the cross wasn't just for 2,000 years ago. It was done then and in eternity. So that means that salvation doesn't run out. Somebody needs to hear that. <laughs> well, pastor, I, 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 have, I had 10 chances. I said the salvation prayer 10 times and that's it. All done. I can't say the salvation prayer anymore because I already said it 10 times. No, it's from everlasting to everlasting. It's a complete work, but it's a work that continues on. Do you need forgiveness? Ask and he gives it to you freely. You need wisdom. He gives it to you freely. You have to understand that it is a work from everlasting to everlasting. It continues on. And that's the same thing with healing. Why in the world would Jesus die on a cross just for his healing power to work for 60 years? There's a whole movement out there trying to convince people that the healing power of God was only for the apostles. There's a problem with that theory. First of all, there were more than apostles that actually healed people. For example, Stephen, the first martyr, was actually an usher in the church. He wasn't deemed an apostle. Philip was not an apostle. His daughters who prophesied, that means they function in the gift of prophecy, they weren't apostles, but yet they worked in the, in the supernatural. They did miracles. How does that work? Because the miracle working power of God was not specific just to just the apostles. It was tied to the gospel. Somebody needs to hear that. The work of God, the miracle healing power work of God is tied to the gospels. That means where the gospel is preached, there is healing, there is salvation. Why? It is a complete work and it is an everlasting work. It doesn't run out. There's no time stamp on it. And if you can get that revelation of what Christ does, you realize that he does this work in us and through us. And this is what's amazing. Man. The work that he did was a work of forgiveness. 
Can I read this to you? Everybody say a work of forgiveness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Pastor, what do you mean not imputing their trespasses? That means he wasn't holding your trespasses against you. God, God doesn't look at you in condemnation and say, oh man, you did this in the past. You said this in the past. Oh, pff, I can't respond to you. What I just read is that when you come to Jesus, if you have repented of your sins and you have believed upon Jesus, he does not hold your past against you. The only people that do that are you. We're the ones that keep grudges. Can I tell you God doesn't keep a grudge? People keep grudges. Hey, I desire a relationship with you. No, can't do it. You remember when you did, no, you remember when you did that to me? You remember when you said that? We keep grudges. But what's so amazing about God is when we repent and when we believe upon him, he does not hold our past sins against us. He doesn't hold it over your shoulders. He doesn't use it against you to say, hey, you remember when you did this? Oh, hey, hey, you remember? Oh, yeah, right. You know, it's like, God, I promise this time I got it together. Oh, yeah, 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 right. You said that last week. He doesn't do that. He forgives. I like this one. <laughs> he cleanses us. Christ cleansed you. First John chapter one, verse nine says this. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just will forgive us our sins. And what? Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Can I tell you what I love about that word cleanse? Is that mean he means it means he completely and totally removes, completely and totally removes any transgression, any, any evidence, any evidence. Now let me tell you why that's so powerful. It's because he has the ability by his grace and mercy. To actually cleanse your mind. That you used to think one way. But now you can think a totally different way. Because your mind is being washed. And renewed by the word. You have a new way of thinking. You're no longer bound to think the way you used to think. You can have a new way of thinking. You can have a new way of operating. You're washed. You're cleansed. I like this one. Can we keep going? Not only are you cleansed. Not only are you forgiven. But I like this one. He turns your past into a testimony. And I don't know about you. I see that's the, that's the moment where I'm like, woo, come on, praise Jesus. That's when I start stomping on the ground. That's when I start shouting the preacher down. It's because I realized something. That I could use my past to continue to remind me on why I'm not qualified to do something. I can continue to remind myself of all my problems to justify my inability to step into my purpose and my promise. But what's so profound about this is that God uses our past to actually propel us into the future because he gives us a testimony, meaning if God can forgive me of my past, if God can cleanse me from my past, if God can take my past and make me new, then there is nothing too big for God. And that's why we see in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, and they overcame him by what? The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Can I tell you right now, your testimony is more powerful than you realize. 
Because sometimes when you slip and fall, sometimes when you do something absolutely ridiculous, you say, you know what? God healed me from this. He can heal me from that too. God delivered me from that thing. He can deliver me from this. And he who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. And that's why it's so imperative that we testify. That's why it's so imperative for us to to tell people what God has done. Because he never stops doing in your life. Now, I hope you're getting encouraged. But I think one of the things that we, we have to keep in mind is this, that we, we, we face a great battle. Maybe I'm the only person here in this church this morning that battles the past. But I think all of us wrestle with this. Because most of us have a tendency to fight our memories. See, it, when we sin when we do something ridiculous, when we mess up, there's things that get seared into our memory. Guys, there's, there's things that happened to me. There's things that I heard, things that I saw when I was just a kid that I can still, I can still remember. Even when I don't want to. Now, have you guys ever, have you guys ever walked into a room and, and there was a smell in that room and all of a sudden it took you back? You're like, you're like, oh my goodness. I re- and all these memories start coming to your head. Or you see somebody that you haven't seen in a long time. That's why Facebook and Instagram is so dangerous, man. Some of these guys go back to try and find their ex-girlfriends that they had in high school. Yeah, there. And all of a sudden, these memories start coming back. You know, one of the most dangerous battles that we have is the battle of memories and these thoughts that we have that permeate our thinking. But can I, can I tell you something? Man, this is so awesome. Listen, <laughs> listen to this passage, Isaiah 43. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. Isaiah 43, 18. Do not remember the former things. How do you have the audacity to tell me not to remember things? Because what's being set, there's a stage being set for you to understand that you can actually hold every thought captive. That you don't have to be a victim of your memories. That you can create new memories in Jesus Christ. That your memories can be washed. That you can be cleansed by the renewing of your mind. That you don't have to be a victim anymore. Come on, you don't have to be a victim anymore. Certain rooms that you used to walk in, certain places you used to go. I know people, they can't even go to the mall anymore because they have some type of PTSD because of an experience they had. Can I, can I, can I be real with you? I grew up, I grew up having a really big problem. And, and even as a 40-year-old man, now I still struggle with it. I have a really hard time with alcoholics. Now, I don't hate people, but I have a hard time ministering to alcoholics. And when people are drunk, it kind of freaks me out. So, like, I've been to parties. You know, I've gotten invited to parties, and I go to the party, and people start getting drunk. And I'm like, I got to leave. Not because I don't want to minister to them. It's because I I actually have a hard time dealing with alcoholics because because of something that happened. When I was six years old, we were doing an Easter outreach in Lahaina. And when I was there... 
um, a situation happened where a, a man, a homeless guy that was drunk out of his mind started going crazy and, and kind of small kind of attacked me. And it was all over me. And, and, and of course, our, our children's pastors came in and rescued me, but that so marked me that I always, I always had this weird thing happen every time someone around me got drunk. And, and the hard part is, as a pastor, there's moments where you have to intervene in people's lives and help them walk through some of these things. And I've struggled with it. And God, God had to remind me of these things and say, look, son, you have to change your memory. Because it is seared into this experience that I have that I derive everything from. And my interaction with people, friends, we've got to get our memories healed. And this is what's so powerful about Isaiah 43, 18. It says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. God's desire is to do a new work in your life. To make you new. It's a work of forgiveness. It's a work of cleansing. <laughs> it's a complete work. You know, I, um, one of the greatest battles I think that all of us face is, Lord, how do I, how do I walk in the present? I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm a yo-yo dieter. Anybody here a yo-yo dieter? I got any yo-yo dieters in the house? I'm going to be real. Don't look at me like that. We all know you're a yo-yo dieter, right? I'm like the kind of guy I can gain 15 pounds in a day. And I can, well, used to, before I turned 40, I could lose 20 pounds in like a week, right? You guys remember those days when you were young, you could lose like 20 pounds in a week and be like, yeah, that's right. Now I lose, I, just looking at rice, I gain weight. You think I'm joking. I smell rice and all of a sudden I start swelling up. And I try, I used to try and do, like I went running the other day. Well, I went fast walking, right? I went fast walking. That's considered my running because my joints are like, ow, oh, ow, oh, right? And I'm, I'm like fast walking and, and I, I get on the scale. No, listen, this is truth. Please have compassion on me, okay? I got on the scale before I went fast walking. And then I got on the scale after I went fast walking. I was heavier. I didn't even have anything to drink. I'm like, what is wrong with my scale? I think, I think it was the air that I was breathing or something. I have no idea. But I was heavier. I hate that stinking scale. We just need to talk about the, the enemy of scales right there. That can preach right there. We're just... But you know, I think, I think what happens is we, we go on these, like, these crash diets, but I believe there's this thing called crash Christianity. We, we, we go on these up and downs. It's like this yo-yo Christianity. We're all over the place, and we, we don't know how to necessarily walk in the present because what happens is this. We know we've been, we're convinced. We get to this place where we're convinced we're forgiven from the past, but we don't know how to walk in the present. We don't know how to live in Christ in the present. And we have to realize that, first of all, God is a present God. He is a present God. Psalm 46.1, 1, 
that God is our refuge, our strength, a very present help in time of need. The Bible gives you a promise he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So if we're going to walk in the present, we need to know how to walk in his presence. I know that sounds extremely cliche, but it's true. To walk in the present means we, know how to, we need to know how to walk in his presence, to be in his presence, to abide in him. But one of the greatest challenges, like I said, this, this crash Christianity is we don't know how to start fresh. So this is what I mean by my crash dieting. You ready for this? My yo-yo dieting is I'll, I'll, uh, I, I'm addicted to salmon rolls. Salmon dynamite rolls at 7-Eleven. The day they got rid of them, I, I felt free. Like I was set free. I was like, oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Like our church on a walk was right next to a 7-Eleven. I could tell you when they delivered the salmon, salmon dynamite. Like I, I knew when it was coming in. And I would walk into 7-Eleven and the lady would actually tell me as I was walking in whether they had salmon dynamite rolls or not. I was like, hey, Auntie, how you knew? She goes, oh, I know. <laughs> but this is, this is how it always go. You ready? I'd get a salmon dynamite roll, and I'd, as I'm eating the salmon dynamite roll, knowing, knowing that I'm gaining like 5,000 pounds with every bite, one per grain of rice, right? I'm, I'm eating this thing, and my, my, my statement is this. Oh, I might as well. I already had one bite of rice. I might as well eat the whole thing. I might as well, right? Eating the monopua. I might as well eat the whole monopua. Might as well, bro. You know what I mean? I ate one donut. Might as well eat the whole box already. <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about. You do the same thing. And then, then we say it this way. I'll start back tomorrow. But we don't know how to live in the present. We don't know how to say, oh, 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 hold on, stop. How do I shift from this moment to this moment? Like, let's be real for a moment. How do we shift? When we get into this mindset, oh, wow, man, I, I just saw that girl walking down the beach wearing a string. I don't how. First of all, just let me tell you something. First of all, who in their right mind would want to wear a string to the beach? Secondly, aren't they concerned about sunburn? I mean, think about that for a second. Where the sun goes, it burns. Anyways, just saying, just saying. Some of you guys are like, Pastor Morocco has to come back. Lord, bring Dr. Morocco back right now. Jesus, help. And these guys, oh man, oh, I saw, I might as well, I might as well go all the way already. Because if I went lost in my brain, might as well go all the way. Isn't that interesting? How we have these mindsets. We don't know how to shift and turn and go, okay, well, hold on a second. The Bible says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Minute by minute. Moment by moment. Day by day. His mercies are new. I have to know how to shift. I need to know how to come from this moment where I'm trapped in sin. I'm bound and begin to shift. I don't need another week. I don't need another day. I don't need to say, oh, I need to just go all the way. I need to shift. I need to shift my mind. I need to say, oh, Lord, I might have seen this. I might have said that. I might have done this, but I'm going to shift right now. Stop thinking. Don't say this. Oh, it's too late. I might as well. No, stop. 
Don't give in. Shift. Shift. As we understand the present, I, this is probably the most powerful thing that we can get out of this. He makes our present new. How does, Pastor, how does he do that? You see, when you used to live in your old way, you lived according to the flesh, which is powerless. But as you live the new life in Christ Jesus, you walk in power. And in Psalm 37, 23, it gives us this revelation. Listen to this. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Do you know how God works in our present, in the new, in our present, is he orders your steps? Can I tell you what I love about this understanding of how God orders our steps? Is he doesn't just direct you. It's not that God says, okay, take a left, take a right, right? Put your left foot in, you put your... Can you guys stop doing the hokey pokey with God? Can I just, just say, I'm just throwing that out. Point number four, stop doing the hokey pokey. But this, this is the thing we have to realize. It's not that you're just stepping into purpose, but he anoints your purpose. That means he, when it says that, that, that he orders your steps, it's not that he just tells you where to go, but he also anoints where you put your foot. He anoints what you do. See, in the flesh, you weren't anointed. When you used to live, when you used to work in the flesh, you were doing it out in your, on your own strength, in your own strength. But now that you're in Christ, that which you do is in him. That which you are is in him. He's given you a new identity. He's given you a new operation. He's given you a new purpose. So as you step in, you might have the same job. Somebody needs to get this this morning. You may have the same job, but you're new. And so now your harvest is different. Everything else is different. Why? Because now you're anointed for it. You're anointed for it. He gives you purpose and he anoints you. God does a new work in us. He orders our steps. How about this one? The new part of what God does in your life is he, he gives you his will and his plan. And how we walk in this is we have to learn how to trust and obey. Trust and obey. I want to finish this message this morning. I want to give you this last point. Everybody say this. He makes my past new. He works in my present. He does a new work in my present. But I love this. He gives me a new future. He gives me a new hope. In Psalm 42, 5, the battle that we face, going back to understanding the battle, why so downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Can I, can I ask you, this morning we need to get a revelation of who God is and the work that he's doing in us. You got to get it in you. You got to realize that God is doing a work in you. And I know that right now your memories are plaguing you. I understand that even your identity and things that have been projected upon you, things that have been said about you and towards you continue to haunt you. But friends, can I tell you this morning that you can put your hope in him 
That your future doesn't have to be like your past. That your future doesn't have to be bound by your past. That your future has a hope and it has a purpose, but you have to learn how to put your trust in him. You got to learn how to walk forward in this and say, God, I believe that you have a new call in my life. I believe that I know I used to do this, but this is not who I am. That's not who I am anymore. This is who I am. I am in you. If any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creation. And we've got to win this battle. Church, can I just ask you, will you, will you contend for the hope? Will you contend for your purpose and your destiny? Stop allowing the devil to derail you and try and convince you that you're worthless, that you're, you're, you can't obtain what God has for you. You've gone too far. You've done too much. You can't do this. You can't do that. If you're not willing to contend for your purpose in your future, you'll never see it fulfilled. See, what we've been given... <laughs> I love this. What we've been given is an anchor. How do we win the battle? We're anchored in him. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. Firm and secure. Now can I, can I just say this? What we see in Hebrews is that the hope, hope is present tense and future tense. Because that hope is what we stand upon right now. But hope is also that which anchors the future and your purpose and the plan of God for your life. It's anchored in him. Hope doesn't come from who you are. Hope doesn't come based upon who I am and how perfect I am. Can you imagine if I based my hope upon my perfection? I'd never go anywhere. Because i got issues. But see, I don't base my hope upon me and my perfection and my ability. I build my hope. My hope is anchored in who he is. That means that I can continue to trust that God is going to do a work. I can put my hope that God is doing something and he's faithful to complete it. And I can put my eyes upon the future of this and say, I know I'm struggling. I know I'm not there yet. But my hope is anchored. My future, my purpose is anchored in him. And if I can just keep stepping forward day by day, moment by moment, relying upon his mercies that are new every morning. I will step into the fulfillment of what God has for me. Can I just tell you right now as I close this message and I'm going to pray for every one of you. Not only is hope an anchor, but hope overflows. Hope overflows. One of my, it's probably one of my most favorite passages in the Bible. It's Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. As you trust in him as you trust in his work in his completed everlasting 
work, his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his strength, his power, his ability as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. But you know, it's so amazing is that the Holy Spirit can overflow hope out of your life so that you can have a clear picture of the new thing that God wants to do in you, the new gift that he's given you. Too often, we can't take hold of the new because we have such a poor picture of who we are from the past. God says, what makes you able, what makes you worthy of taking hold of the new is that he's forgiven you He's cleansed you. He's made you new so that you can step into the new. Remember a few years ago, bought a car, a new car. Never had one of those before. I remember sitting in that, that seat, step in and I always heard people say that new car smell. I sat in there, I said, I smell the new. Ever smelt the new before? It was so tangible. I smell the new. Don't be doing that because COVID may get you, but sorry. I smell the new. You know, you, know, you know what I want you to do tomorrow morning? I know this sounds outrageous, but I dare you. I triple dog dare you. Tomorrow morning when you wake up knowing that his mercies are new every morning, knowing that he's done a new work in you, he's made you new, and he's got something new for you, can you wake up tomorrow morning and right when you get out of bed, you just go, I smell something. I smell something new. May not be new leather, but God's got something new for you. Do you believe that today? I hope the word encouraged you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the King Central Podcast. God bless you. Walk in power and walk in the fullness of that which God has given you.